Welcome to the craft life. In every episode, we'll dive deep into the rabbit hole of all things branding and marketing within the craft beard industry. Be prepared to be injected with tips, processes, and ideologies from those in the industry that are executing in a unique and creative fashion. If you're looking for ways to cut through all that noise and find or redefine your craft by creating long-lasting impressions, memorable experiences, all while having consistency in your attitude, belief, and values, then a craft life is a good fit for your life. Let's get crafting. Everybody, welcome to The Craft Life, episode zero. I'm here with the myth, the legend, the man of Wild L himself, the founder and brewmaster of Oddbreed, Matt Manthe. So a little bit of information about Matt before we go ahead and talk about everything. Um, he has been brewing professionally for 13 years, holding leadership role at the, both the brew pub and production level at Oddbreed, where you have to know that this is the world's best wild ales. Actually, last week I tried your narrow bandwidth of reality, which is American Wild Ale, and it was phenomenal. So appreciate everything that you got going on over there. You know, the whole production level, the whole Wild Ale itself is an amazing thing. We also discussed about the yeast and all that things that you got going on. So it was a really incredible thing that you guys got going on at Oddbreed. So Matt also received his degree in microbiology from Clemson University. I'm a huge football fan, so go Tigers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in 2010, which is awesome, you moved to Berlin. You studied brewing and malting science and received your brewmaster diploma from the German college VLB, correct? That's right. Yep. Awesome. And then after that, I guess that fueled your fascination with wild ale. And then you moved to Florida. You became a brewmaster at Bruzy's Brew Pub. Yep. And mm -hmm. for about five years and... Here you are launching Oddbreed. So once again, thank you so much for coming out here. We're gonna take a deep dive into your logo, what it means, and if somebody is basically starting their brand and want to create a logo, what should someone do to think about their logo for their brand and the long-term effects of that? But before we get started into the whole brand thing, can we talk about Oddbreed, where you guys are located, a little bit about your brewery? Sure. Yeah. So we're in Pompano Beach, Florida. We're in the, um, what they're calling Old Town Pompano. It's basically what used to be the original downtown in Pompano Beach. And they're working on trying to revitalize it. We've got a couple of artist studios. We've got some restaurants and bars and planning, but we're kind of like the anchor tenants. So a lot of the buildings are still empty right now, but uh, hopefully that won't, that won't be the case for too much longer. And we're a brewery that really, I guess, is, um, looks a little bit more like a winery than a typical brewery. Uh, you can see the, the barrels behind me. Uh, those are all full of beer. They're not decorative. We get that question all the time. All the beer that we make is aged in barrels, and it's all a product of mixed culture, wild fermentation. So basically, uh, we're not purchasing yeast from labs. We're using our, our own mixed culture, which originally uh, did actually come from labs, as well as some yeast and bacteria that we've kind of harvested naturally from our environment. And we've been reusing that mixed culture here. I actually was, was starting to develop this mixed culture long before opening Oddbreed with the, the long-term plan of eventually opening a brewery that is like this. So, so we're really kind of a fermentation project type place in that we don't own a brew house. I brew my recipes over at Barrel of Monks. I basically brew about an 18 and a half barrel batch. And then I transport all the liquid back over here for the fermentation, barrel aging, packaging. And then we also have a tasting room on site here. 
Awesome, awesome. So let's dive into your logo. It's gonna pop up right over here, over here. Can you go into telling us what it means, how you came up with the idea, and just basically give us the whole rundown on how you created your logo. Sure. So what we do here is definitely unusual compared to most breweries. So first we kind of came up with the name of the brewery being Odd Breed. Uh, it seemed to be kind of fitting and we've uh, been described as being an odd breed. We're, we're definitely making different beers than your, your typical brewery. So we kind of knew from the start that being the only brewery uh, really in the southeast actually that's focused exclusively on wild ales aged in, in oak barrels, we knew that education was going to be a big an obstacle, I guess you could say, that, you know, that we had to inform the customer of what our, our beer is, why it tastes different, why the production process is different, why we package it up the way that we did. So with education being so important, we really felt like it was also important to be somewhat transparent about what we do. You know, we're not um, uncomfortable telling people about our process, what ingredients we use, what goes into the beer that we make. On the contrary, I feel like that's, that's a necessity. So when we decided that we wanted to come up with a logo, I, I'm not an, an artist, uh, at least in the, the traditional sense. I definitely can't draw or paint. My handwriting's terrible. But I do like to make some beers that I think kind of display a little bit of a creative outlet. And we definitely get a lot of inspiration from Belgian breweries, especially Belgian Lambic breweries. Cats are very commonly uh, a theme at those breweries in part. And I would say this is true in a lot of places in Europe, especially at smaller breweries. There are oftentimes cats in part because they can help take care of the rodent population. You know, when it came time for us to decide what we wanted for a logo, I knew that I wanted some type of entity in the logo, some type of living entity. And what I mean by that is that I, I feel like it's helpful from a branding perspective to have something that people can relate to. So, you know, there are a lot of breweries and other businesses that will use a dog, for example, in their logo. Dogs are, are a popular pet. Cats are a little bit less common. You know, other logos like, like Terrapin Brewing Company, obviously they got a turtle. We felt like it was somewhat valuable to have an entity that, that people could connect to. And so I'm a fan of cats. Uh, we actually have a, a brewery cat here. I'm not sure where he is right now, but you, you may see him in the background running around at some point. But cats are obviously not really like dogs in that they, uh, they're very independent. They kind of decide to do their own thing. They're usually not all that concerned with what all is going around them. They're just going to do with whatever it is that they're going to do. Yeah. So we, we kind of came up with this concept of a cat on a barrel in part because obviously all of our beers are, are aged in barrels. So that, that kind of ties in with the theme and a cat because the cat is independent. It's also not really all that trainable. So in that sense, it, it differs from a dog. You could in some ways draw an analogy and say that, you know, our beer is kind of like a cat of the beer world and that we guide our, our beers along and we hope that they're going to do what we want them to do. We try to create an environment that allows them to produce the flavors that we love. But you can only coddle it so much. It is essentially a wild beer. That's why we have wild ales in the name of our brewery. Yes. And, you know, that obviously differs a lot from your typical production brewery where you're using a single strain of yeast that is being purchased from a lab. Uh, you're trying to keep everything 100% sanitary. You're, you're essentially brewing like an engineer. And there's definitely nothing wrong with that. You know, I've worked at a lot of other breweries and I've done some consulting work as well. And I try to teach other people to brew like engineers. It's the way that 99 point something percent of beer out there is produced. With Oddbreed, our, our real project, our, our goal of this project was to make beer that doesn't taste like anybody else's beer. Meaning that, you know, if you really like our flagship Saison past and future, I can tell you exactly how we brew it. I can tell you all the ingredients that we put into it, what the process is along the way, how we, we try to blend it to achieve the flavors that we get. But ultimately... I want that to be a product that even if I were to try to produce it in a different brewery, it wouldn't quite be the same. 
And I think that's something that most breweries cannot say. If you're a consumer in Asia or if you're a consumer in the US or Canada or Europe, that Heineken beer tastes the same. Yeah. That's not our goal. Uh, that's not what we're going for. It's definitely an admirable goal to be somebody like Heineken or some other big brewery or even a, a smaller production brewery and achieve that kind of consistency. That's just simply not our focus. That's, that's not what we're after. We're trying to create a unique experience that uh, the consumer can look to and say, man, you know, this beer is an odd breed. This is something that I haven't had before. It doesn't necessarily compare directly to, to something else that I've had. So, you know, in the one sense, because we're, we're not brewing trendy or gimmicky beer, we aren't brewing your typical styles. We're not putting, a, you know, an IPA in 16 ounce four pack cans. We liked the idea of having the cat with its back to the viewer, not necessarily as a, a sign of disrespect or anything, but it is a sign that, you know, this, the cat is preoccupied with something else. It's doing its own thing. It's doing what it wants to do. And it's not really concerned with what everybody else is doing. That's powerful. Um, yeah. Um, that, that was kind of the, the imagery that we wanted to go for. As I mentioned before, you know, I can't draw. I can't do anything like that. My former business partner, he does have a, much more of an artistic background than I do. And he understands branding and marketing far better than I do. Whereas I understand branding and marketing from the standpoint of a consumer that likes beer. Uh, which, is, which is still helpful, but I'm, but I'm definitely not an expert. So when it came time for us to put together a logo, we had just, you know, agreed on, on really what, what it was that we were looking for, but we weren't going to try to draft that up ourselves. And there's a, a website called logotournament.com. Mm -hmm. And we had relied on that essentially to, to get us a logo. And, and basically the way that that, that website works is uh, you, you create criteria for, for your logo. You inform uh, what, your brand is, what product you're selling, who you're trying to reach, what type of message you want to convey. You create all these kind of guidelines, this outline for what you're looking for. And you, you announce a, a prize level for, uh, for the winning logo. I believe that we offered something like $700 or something like that. Oh, so people basically, what, just create that from your message that you put on there and kind of project that yeah. to you guys? You guys got a bit on which one is yeah. the best? So there are artists all over the world that are basically can decide to enter this competition and they submit designs for us. And we had something, I want to say like somewhere around 200 or so different design submissions from wow. 70 or so different artists that were all around the world. This competition, I want to say it lasted a couple of weeks or so. There are different rounds to the competition and basically you can give feedback to all the artists mm -hmm. and the other artists can see that feedback too. You get to select which logos you absolutely hate, which ones you kind of like. And basically from all that, you're funneling down what you like, you're learning what you like along the way, but then you're also learning how to provide better feedback for those artists so that they can create additional designs. Capture that essence, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think it was like three or four rounds of judging that we went through, and, you know, we got some pretty cool designs, we got some that were lousy, that were absolutely horrible, but every round the submissions got better and better as the artists were fine-tuning their designs to the look that we wanted. And so we ended up uh, going with our logo. Once we saw it, we immediately we were like, yeah, that's it. Let's, let's just end the competition now. You know, so we got a logo. <laughs> but we ended up going with this logo design that was designed by a woman in Greece, you know, somebody that we had never met before. But uh, she seemed to understand, you know, what we were going for. She listened to our feedback. I will tell you that some of the designs that she submitted, we did not like at all. And yeah. they were wildly different from what we have right now. <laughs> but she was a good listener. And she saw the feedback that we were giving to other artists. She started to get a better idea of what it was that we wanted and we're very happy with how it worked out. I think, I think also being able to pull the talent, you know, from so many different artists and different ideas also kind of helped us solidify exactly what we wanted. 
Whereas I believe that if we worked with just one particular artist, I'm not saying that we couldn't have gotten a good logo, but we were much more uh, solidified in our decision that this was the right logo for us. I think in part because we had seen so many other designs. That's really awesome because I, I believe like in the logo creations period, it's great to have a contribution from multiple people kind of solidifies and sees different perceptions. So that's really awesome that you guys went through there and the ability to go back and fine tune it kind of solidified your brand even more on the essence and everything that you want to do. Because at the end of the day, 62% of all consumers buy the product based on the packaging alone. So it's like, it's a good procedure to go through and a good exercise to go through internally as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's really, that's really great. So what advice would you give to somebody that's starting off? And honestly, that website, I'm going to get the URL for that because I personally help some people do logos and it's kind of daunting because their vision is here. And it's nice because I usually give them about 20 different, you know, style types. And I do change the font, even the material, even the background and the colors, because color scheme is super important. But having the fact if you have five different artists producing 20 different designs gives the client more options and kind of broadens your spectrum. Because what I can produce is probably my style and my gauge. And I probably can never reach to that if their my style and my approach to it is not something that they're you know, they're really proud about. So that's an awesome website. I never even really heard of it. So I'm definitely going to share that. So if somebody is basically starting their brand from scratch and they really don't know where to start, um, they have this idea, but they don't know because designing a logo itself has to, like you did, you infused everything about your brand inside of that and learning that the, you know, the cat is looking away is not as it's form of disrespect. It's just, you know, the untrainable thought of a cat it's a thought process that goes into your wild ale is like you can only lean it so far but then again it's on its own but you do deliver a final great product but as someone is thinking through the process of starting their logo like what kind of hints can you give to somebody sure yeah i mean i would say uh definitely to, to start out with you know what product are you trying to sell who are you trying to sell it to how do you want to differentiate yourself how do you want to be viewed in the marketplace uh, especially if you're talking about something like craft beer you know, we're not the only brewery in town and there are breweries all over the place. So I think that there are a lot of breweries, unfortunately, that don't solidify that enough before they even open. And I, I think that that's becoming more and more important. There are so many breweries now that if, if you can't differentiate yourself, if you don't know where you fit in the craft beer model, then you don't fit. I think that it was definitely advantageous for us to be pretty clear on what it was that we were trying to produce, what yeah. we were doing, you know, and, and a lot of that really kind of extends just to the, the design of our brewery. As I mentioned, you know, I've, we've got all these, these oak barrels. We don't actually have that much stainless. We don't have a, a glycol cooling system at our brewery. You know, we don't do any forced carbonation. Our place looks very different. And there's a few reasons for that. One, we're just making wild beers. So we're buying the equipment that we need. But two, we bought the equipment that we needed. We bought equipment to make just this type of beer. So we don't have the flexibility of a typical brewery that is going to say, oh, you know what, we're going to make a milk stout today and we're going to make a hazy IPA tomorrow. No, I'm going to make a wild IPA today. I'm, or, or I'm going to make a you know, wild Saison tomorrow, but whatever I do, I'm going to make a wild beer and it's going to be in barrels. That's just the way that we're set up. So to a certain extent, I think it was um, almost drawn out of the stubbornness of what it was that we wanted to do, what we wanted to accomplish. And we didn't stick our toe in the water. We jumped right in and we said, this is who we are. This is the kind of brewery that we're starting you know, once you make some of those critical kind of decisions like that, that don't really allow you to turn back or to pivot, you have to be all in. In our case, 
because we had a few things that like that that were very well defined from the start it made some other decisions easier easier so, yeah you know one of the things to keep in mind i think with any kind of business is just that you have to have a certain set of criteria that you are not willing to compromise on mm -hmm. and once you have that criteria established and you know what it is that you're trying to accomplish and where you want to fit in with things, you're not making that many decisions anymore because you can look at a, at a question, you can look at an obstacle and you can say, well, what am I going to do about this? And you say, well, this is all that we do or, or we, we always make beers this way or we always do that. And then it makes your decision-making process a lot easier to the point where it's almost like there wasn't really a decision that needed to be and where you fit in with the market. That's awesome. And that's, you know, when having a brand identity does help with a lot of factors because you guys already know that, Hey, we're only creating wild ales and this is all we're going to do. So it's like you're lighting focus on your whole procedures when it comes into your marketing and branding, because you guys already know this is what we are. This is all we're doing. That's part of our DNA. This is it. And I can see the difficulties of a brewery trying to, you know, fluctuate between what's popular in the market to what kind of beers they want to create and trying to find that even medium. But at the same token, you get lost in the shuffle of what kind of beers do you guys actually specialize? Who are you guys known for? And a lot of people lose sight of that. And a lot of that starts from, you know, like your logo, because that's the forward facing things to all the different touch points that goes on into your brand. But you brought up some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful points about your logo. And it's about, you know, being lightning focused. And sometimes you have to go through a little bit of a self journey on exactly what you guys want to do, what you want to create and create that parameter. Because if you want to be known for, for instance, creating stouts, and then you're getting into the business of focusing on creating IPAs or Zons or any other type of beers, then it's going to kind of water down what you really want to be known for and being niche now is going to be a great way to have you know with all the breweries down here is like you know if you want wild ales the only place you can go to in florida it is Aubrey. and that's awesome market position because everyone knows hey you want wild beers Aubrey is it that's it there's nobody else that's it people could try but Aubrey is the ones who perfect the you know who perfected that so and that's great that's great that you brought that up man it's really good Thanks. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely important, obviously, to have a, a recognizable identity. You know, it, it is important in any business to be flexible, but I think that you need to be flexible within the parameters that you've already defined for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for us, that, that means making beer that is wild and that's aged in barrels. A lot of people think that that's very limiting, but the truth is, you know, we've got all different styles that we can look to. We've got inspiration that we can look to from various different places. You know, we're starting to make more hoppy beers that are aged in barrels in part because I think they're delicious and I enjoy making them, but, uh, but they're also what, what the consumer has responded well to. So, you know, you need to have some flexibility, but like I said, I think it's important to have flexibility within those parameters that you, you've already set for yourself. Okay. Uh, you don't do that, then, you know, eventually you end up just losing your identity. And I, I think there are so many breweries that are making a lot of beers that are somewhat, you know, trendy or gimmicky, there's a huge influx in breweries making these hazy IPAs right now. You also have breweries that are making hard seltzer. I mean, that's, and that's fine. You know, I'm not saying that there, there's anything wrong with those breweries doing that, but from a business standpoint to me, it almost seems like a, uh, a quick move that doesn't have a lot of forethought that, that isn't really necessarily set up for, for long-term planning. Mm -hmm. You know, is, is this a brewery that's going to suddenly switch most of its production to hard seltzer is, is its brewery name, correct for something that, that wants to focus on hard seltzer. You know, that's, I think those are the kind of questions that you have to ask yourself. And, 
And also, uh, you know, if, if you're making hard seltzer and, and hazy IPAs, well, then are you making fewer stouts, you know, or are you making fewer pilsners or whatever it may be? Are you alienating some of your consumers because they look to you for product A, but now all you're offering is product B and C. So it can be a little tricky, I think, to try to navigate, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is a correct pivot to make? Should you be flexible on this or should you be inflexible? Those are hard questions to answer for anybody, I think, for any business owner. Definitely, definitely. So the last question that I have for you today will be, if you are currently a home brewer and your goal is to create, you know, your own brewery, where should... I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being somewhat sarcastic. It's, just, it's, uh, it's a tough time for breweries right now, obviously, with what's going on. Absolutely, absolutely. But, um, you know, everything clears up and everything is you know, back to the, the new normal, which is going to be after this, all this. At what point should they focus on the logo? So I've drawn up my business plan. I've done all that. At what point is that focal point of the logo is everything? Because some people say like, you know, your logo is not everything, but in some terms it is everything because it's, you know, that main touch point that's going to tell your brand story. So at what point would you say if somebody is transitioning from being a home brewer, doing all the competitions to actually starting their own brewery? Um, I would say uh, later on, really, maybe even after you have a, a lease signed for your spot, in part because, you know, once, once you have your, your business plan laid out, once you start deciding, okay, what, what spot am I looking for? What kind of customer am I going to cater to? If we opened in, a, uh, in an industrial spot out west and we didn't have a tasting room, well, there are certain things about our business model, about our production even, that we could change, that we probably even should change. But being that we're, we're in an area that we're hoping will be more retail friendly, there's a different avenue that we have to take. So I think, you know, and that extends to things as simple as, you know, what kind of music you're playing in the tap room, what types of glasses you're serving your beer out of, what your can or bottle art will look like. You know, if you're going to do distribution for kegs, what your tap handles will look like. So I think all of that is kind of some stuff that you have to have, not necessarily fully decided, but it's stuff that you have to at least have put some thought into because you want to make sure that you have a continuity throughout your brand. And there are some breweries that, that are named, uh, and this is, isn't just breweries. I think it's, it's businesses in general where yep. you, you see that they're named a certain thing or their graphics maybe present one image or idea to you and then uh, the rest of their business portrays something else and they, they seem disjointed. So I think that if you do have a business plan laid out, if you've got a location picked out or at least uh, you're, you're pretty close to having it picked out or otherwise know what you want, I think then it, you'll be able to come up with a logo or at least be able to define the criteria for your logo better than if it's something that you do first and then do everything else afterwards. Great. Yeah, great, 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 great stuff. So Thank you so much for your time, um, everybody. To connect with Matt and Aubrey, their website is oddbreed.com. And on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped, that's going to be Aubrey Wild Ales with an S. Um, you can connect with him on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped. Thank you so much. Brought up a lot of great points and a lot of theories that I've been trying to practice as well and preach with understanding your brand identity before you get started on a lot. A lot of people, you know, they they have this logo that they always wanted and it probably doesn't match exactly what you said, you know, till you find the space that you're entering, until you find the actual audience that you're gonna be, you know, focused on. It's kind of, hey, get all the other things first and then take your time with building up your brand identity, your brand essence, and to make sure all the different touch points are in sync and they all look alike and they're all kind of telling that one story about your organization. Cool. Mm-hmm.
All right. So I appreciate everything. And uh, like I said, uh, you have a great location. If anybody is in the Pompano area or in South Florida area, this is definitely a place to check out. Thank you very much. And episode zero of The Craft Life has completed. Thank you very much.